Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cacciolillo, and today we have Michelle Freed. She is the former producer for Art Bell. She is a remote viewer and co-owner of Midnight FM. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's awesome to finally have you on as a guest after knowing you for a little while now. Yeah, yeah, it's... um. I, I don't love doing this, but, you know, a girl's got to do what she's got to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I guess it's a little different being on the other end of it. Oh, my gosh, it is. It is. I, You know, I worked with uh, Dave Schrader. I was uh, producing for him, and he made a comment to me about basically that um, – we both appreciated our jobs. You know, he's like, I just, I would hate to do what you do as a producer. And I'm like, well, I, I am not so in love with being a host, you know? So um, I think everyone has their place where they shine. And, you know, once you find it, then, then it's great. But um, it is interesting to kind of, you know, experiment with different, different perspectives. Yeah, I understand because I like being a host, but I mean, I'll be a guest on certain shows, but I don't particularly like it. I like asking the questions, not answering them. Yeah, because, yeah, that's a control position. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. I never really thought it's of always, it that way. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you ever hear this one? I don't. Um, it's uh, whenever you're in a situation with somebody um, and the person who's asking the questions is in the power position. So if you want to, if you're in a discussion with somebody and you want to switch it up, all you have to do is kind of just start asking questions and then mm. you become the power person in the conversation. Well, that I have heard of. I used to do customer service for Comcast. Cable, ah, and, okay. And one of the things they teach is, is always to ask questions um, mm -hmm. because of that reason, you know, not to, not to give the caller, the person who's calling in for help, control of the over the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. That way we just kind of try, we try to control it. Then, of course, it doesn't always work. They start yelling and hang out. They're <laughs> 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 like, why are you asking me all these stupid questions? Yeah, yeah. I, I, my, one of my very first jobs when I was um, like 15 or 16 was um, telemarketing. Oh. And, oh, my gosh. It was uh, back, I think it was in the 80s, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was very big, like telemarketing was like the thing. Um, I started out in malls, you know, where you hold your little clipboard and you walk around the mall, yeah. you know, can I ask you a few questions? And then I kind of uh, moved on to telemarketing where you really have to have a, a thick skin because they hang up on you <laughs> all the time. They're always hanging up. That's, that's crazy. So how did you go from that to... Uh, becoming Art Bell's producer and into remote viewing? Well, so um, I think the big turning point in my life was um, I decided that I was going to take a road trip. 
um, with my kids. And it was back in, I think like 2010. And we just took the summer and a minivan, loaded it up with a GPS and just let that kind of lead us wherever we, we wanted to go. So we put about, I would say 8,000 miles. We went all the way, we started in Chicago and went all the way to the West Coast and then all the way to the East Coast and then home. And it took about nine weeks. Oh, and like um, it was, it was, it was scary because my kids were pretty young and I did most of the driving, but my, uh, I reconnect at that time. I reconnected with one of my best friends from high school and she uh, is teaching, um, you know, psychic development classes. And she had written three books on the subject. And she's like, you know, Michelle, you're really intuitive. Why don't you just take my classes? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I think you have to be born with that. And she's like, no, no, you don't have to be born with that. And um, I'm like, all right, fine, I'll take the class. And uh, I was really impressed with her. You know, I knew her as, you know, we used to get in trouble in high school kind of thing. But she was just, I didn't know where her smart, she was just became so smart and articulate. I was just really impressed. And throughout the class, um, I got to a point where I call myself a skeptical believer, mm -hmm. but it got to a point where I just couldn't even uh, answer any of these questions. They, it was just unbelievable. Things were happening that I could not explain. So I just, um, you know, I just started to, okay, something's going on here. And in that class, she introduced me to remote viewing. And then of course I um, went so I, at the same time, I, I started to study remote viewing and I also went to school for hypnosis. So I, I did both of those at the same time. Um, and I was also going through a divorce and I was a stay at home mom and thought, oh my gosh, I, I have to work. So um, <laughs> I started helping my friends who wrote books uh, get on radio shows. And I'm the type of person that you know, my mind always says, go big or go home. So I called up Art Bell show. And I said, um, hey, I, I got this guy, he's a remote viewer, wrote a book, uh, I think he'd be great on your show. And so I spoke to the producer at the time for about two hours, they love the subject of remote viewing, they loved all that stuff. And um, he's like, okay, let me talk to the host and we'll get back to you. So uh, I didn't get a call, you know, for even, I mean, a month went by, nothing. And I thought, oh, I'm really going to have to work for this one. <laughs> and then, um, then all of a sudden I got a phone call from, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of Heather Wade. Uh, she was... Um, filling in for art because he was kind of semi-retired, uh -huh. but uh, kind of the executive producer of the show. And she uh, calls me up and she's like, hey, this guy is awesome. I want to book him on the show. And I'm like, great. She's like, I'm just so sorry I didn't get back to you. I lost my producer. And I thought to myself, <laughs> okay, go big or go home. And I don't know, the words just came out of my mouth like vomit. <laughs> and I just said, hire me. That's all I said. I said, hire me. 
And she she was like, huh? What? Huh? And um, I'm like, yeah, hire me. And she was so, um, I think, shocked that somebody would just kind of come out and say, I was right. pretty much shocked, too. And she's like, well, um, well, uh, <laughs> let's give you a week, see how you do. And, and yeah. So uh, because at that point I had been studying remote viewing and hypnosis, I had made a lot of contacts in those worlds. So in three days, I booked two weeks of shows. And uh, Art said to Heather, you better keep her you know, or you're going to have a big problem. So <laughs> that's how I got the job. And what was also weird is Heather told me later that earlier in the day, she had interviewed somebody um, that kept calling her Michelle and it was annoying her. You know, the person kept, didn't realize her name was Heather and kept referring <laughs> to her as Michelle. And I'm like, oh, I guess the angels were whispering in your ear my name all day long. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it was kind of a synchronicity situation. And then I've been there ever since and just learned a whole bunch, you know, mm -hmm. just it was incredible. So, yeah. That's one of the things I really love about doing this is all the synchronicities that happen and how amazing it is. Um, you know, I had one like the other day, a friend of mine suggested, I was trying to have, uh, he, he suggested um, Laura Eisenhower, mm -hmm. the granddaughter of Dwight Eisenhower. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I had never really heard of her. And I'm sitting on my computer emailing her. And as I'm doing that, I'm going to look up at the TV and there she is on my TV. She's on a show that I'm watching. <laughs> I'm like, oh, how, that's you. How's that happen? <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, that's weird. But I I think that synchronicity and manifesting uh, work hand in hand. You know, I think that when you put something out there in the universe and you just expect it to happen, mm -hmm. um, and then the synchronicity synchronicity comes when all you know everything is in that that out of it's in the opposite of resistance. It's in a, a nice flow. And when you're living in your life and you're uh, and you're noticing that you're getting a lot of resistance, it's kind of a time. Okay, what's going on here? That you know we're creating resistance. And the minute that you kind of get to, I kind of imagine a little train on the track. And when I find that I'm meeting resistance with mm -hmm. everything, kind of check with my little train. It's kind of a imagery that I use and. I just kind of uh, visually imagine the train going back on the track and then chugging along and doing that, believe it or not, actually makes me feel more aligned. And then the resistance goes away and I feel like the flow comes and then all the synchronicities kind of fall into place. So um, that's just a little uh, tool or skill or whatever you want to call it that helps me along through life. I, I agree. I, I always find that um, whenever I find that life is sort of fighting against me, it's just not the way for me to go. And I just have to try different things and kind of get myself back on track and look for those synchronicities. Because I, I look for the synchronicities and just kind of follow them. And mm -hmm. Life goes so much smoother. And I think I en I'm mm -hmm. ending up where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Rather than yeah. 
Yeah, it's just it's just quicker. It's a lot less work just going with things rather than fighting things. Right. I call it I I call it the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And I know that's other other meanings, but for this it, <laughs> <laughs> but it 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 kind of is a sweet if you think about those moments in your life where um things are in this um effortless flow, those are the times where everything's coming together. And um, I I can think of, you know, so many pivotal times in my life where um, I had a decision to make, and I would be, you know, vacillating between Mm. these two ideas. And then if I just relax, and I just kind of, all right, let the answer come to me, then, and you just give it some time and patience, and all of a sudden, the answer comes, and it's always the right answer. You know, it seems to be that you can make these decisions when you're not in resistance. You know, yeah. that's kind of the key. And uh, very big, huge life um, changes for me came in those sweet spots where um, I was in a position where I really didn't care what anybody thought, which um, a lot of people like myself, like I operate, well, what is this person going to think? And what's that mm-hmm. person going to think? And all those And I tend to kind of live my life like that. But the best times in my life is when I kind of get rid of all that and follow what I really ought to be doing. And those are the moments that I call them the sweet spots when I don't care what anybody else thinks because I know what I'm doing Mm -hmm. is right for me. So, yeah, um, that's good. Yeah, it is. I found like as I've just just as I've gotten getting older, I, I just don't care anymore what people think. Yeah, you know, I, one, I'd like to do that. I think <laughs> it is great. I mean, it's great. People talk about that, and and I I want to be like that. I I mean, I definitely I have to shake it. Yeah, I, I have a lot of work on that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So so. So obviously, like that was a huge synchronicity for you. Is just like, like obviously, something told you to ask that question. You know, like, hey, I'll, can I be? You know, I'll take that job as a producer. Um, yeah. And, and then, how, how did things go from there? Like, what was it like working for art, and what did you learn during that time? Well, um, just uh, I learned a lot of patience. Um, you know, I learned about, you know, I had no idea about the radio business, what goes on behind the scenes um, and um, just, you know, how to find really unique guests, um, you know, to go to um, it was suggested to go to these little towns where, um, you know, they have articles and newspapers and find interesting people there you know, look under rocks, you know, mm-hmm. don't just find all the, you know, famous people running the circuit, but there's interesting stories and in diamond in the rough. Um, I also kind of lived a pretty, I would say, straight life. So just speaking to all these kind of these people that would call and I, I would have to do pre-interviews with them and hear their outrageous stories. And then uh, decipher, you know, what would the listeners, uh, really, you know, they're going to call BS on some of these Mm -hmm. things. So I had to, you know, so it was 
learning how to, okay, this show is just going to be for entertainment. This one's informative, you know, kind of deciding how that works. Uh And so all those kinds of things, you know, just, um, you know, art was a huge stickler for sound and that was a big thing. Now I've become, you know, a crazy person for sound that, and, and I'm noticing that a lot of the podcasts um, are not paying attention um, and there's not the best sound. Um, and I think art would not be happy about that. Um, so he's kind of uh, laid that on my head. So um, that was, you know, also big, um, but just, you know, um, the whole thing about uh, another thing is, and I know you probably know about this, that there's so many podcasts out there in the world. It's very competitive. And um, some people feel like if they just get a microphone and a YouTube channel, they can interview. But when you listen to art, there's magic that happens. And um, the idea in a podcast isn't just interviewing somebody, but it's about um, creating this relationship with your listeners, as well as uh, with your guest, and making sure that your guest will shine. And um, instead of, you know, the host being, you know, the star. And so there's a lot, there's such a huge mis- mixture out there of people that, um, you know, probably miss the mark on it and uh but art just was so gifted and he just knew how to do that yeah yeah he he's my favorite actually and and you're right and that's what how i try to do my podcast also is i try to just give my my guests a chance to to talk and share their stories and, and not have it be about me mm-hmm um, what was your favorite Art Bell episode? Um, I don't know. It's been so long since I've listened to them. Every once in a while, <laughs> I go back and I'll listen to like some of the best ofs on the yeah. podcast. Um, I don't know. I really just love them all. I just like Art Bell. He's always been my favorite host. He, um, yeah. You know, I, I like him. He's been my favorite host, especially of Coast to Coast. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, you know, he started there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, there was a lot of, I think he paved the way for a lot of these shows and made it okay for people like guests to feel comfortable to talk about these things and, um, create a community of people, you know, like for me, if I start talking about remote viewing or hypnosis or Mm -hmm. psychic stuff, my family are like, they just put the shade down, say, leave. We don't want to hear. But it's nice to have a community where people do want to hear you. And um, you can talk about all sorts of things. So um, I think this 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 uh, whole genre is fantastic. I love it. Yes, me too. And, um, you know, like the other thing about like with art, too, is he was so natural, uh, like, one of the things I there's two things I notice when I listen to podcasts to interviewers and stuff. One is is, is people with prepared questions, mm-hmm. you know, and they're just they're just firing off questions, and, mm-hmm. and, right. and they're not really connecting with anybody. There's no there's just no conversation. It's just firing off questions, 
Yeah, um, I kind of think of that as like the Barbara Walters or the the reporter type uh, that interview. Yeah. The other thing with Art too is he was never judgmental. He was always able to just let the person talk and let them tell their story without them feeling like they were being judged. Right. Yeah, that is yeah, that's true. And, that's true. And, and that's one of the benefits too, I think, of, of doing a longer show. That's why I I usually go an hour and a half because mm-hmm. I find that people don't open up to me until about about forty five minutes. Right, right. I think, yeah, because I work with a lot of um, authors and experts that are guests on shows and I coach them. Um, And it's true. They're nervous when they come on. And if a host comes off just shooting questions, then they get kind of stiff Mm -hmm. and they just kind of format to, you know, answering questions. But, um, But the ones that are more long form and a discussion feel, they uh, seem to do the best because they're more comfortable. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what are some of the favorite guests or favorite people that you have talked to in this business? Um, oh, there's so many. Right. There's so many. I know, I know it's impossible um, to narrow it down, but it has to be um, one that really sticks out. Like, have you ever talked to like, Bob Lazar or someone like that? Not Bob. No, I didn't talk to Bob. George um, Knapp. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I, you know, I have to tell you that I feel like I should have a PhD in this genre, paranormal <laughs> PhD. I should be the doctor because not only do I get to talk to all these, um, uh, Travis Walton, um, you know, all these kind of people they make movies of and they Mm -hmm. have, you know, all this incredible stories, but also experts in the field that are doing research. I love the research. Um, Professors in universities that are brave enough to say, yeah, we're going to study near-death experiences and we're going to, we're going to study synchronicities. There's um, uh, Dr. Beitman, yeah, that's his name. Um, and he studies synchronicities, you know, like scientists. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people doing NDEs. And then there's people doing consciousness. And there's people with technology that match all that. I really like all that angle of it. And then for fun, um, I really, well, not always for fun, but for uh, the other side of the science are these stories where people have been abducted where um sometimes uh they're fascinating stories sometimes they're scary stories uh they can they just really range and they're so interesting uh, what people go through and i have um you know with hypnosis have been in a situation where uh people have come to me because they want to be regressed uh some people are so afraid to go back and but there are some that are, they need to know what happened to them and if they were abducted or if it was a dream or, or whatever it is. And um, those, all those like across the board, I don't think anything has ever been not interesting to me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, um, I, I, I really am fascinated with everything. And I, I admire the courage that people have to talk about things that aren't, 
you know, popular in, in the secular world and yeah. really challenge people to ask these big questions, you know, like, why are we here? You know, it's um, a good question, actually. That's the one I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Well, we could remote view it. Why are we here? Why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I think, um, you know, it's really, yeah. I think even, um, uh, space, mm-hmm. um, though, you know, about the planets and, and all that, um, it's just, fa- especially when you get somebody like, uh, Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yes. He, I mean, the fact that he's not totally discounting that there could be life on other planets or Dr. Kaku. Mm-hmm. So, that's to me so exciting that they're brave enough to say you know they don't get into the you know like oh these species have already visited but uh but they're not saying no so that's cool so so what is your take on alien abductions and alien disclosure i mean you have to i'm sure you've heard heard more information on these topics than anybody else around what, uh, sorry, say that one more time. Oh, what is your take sorry. on alien abduction and the current uh, UFO disclosure? Well, I, I usually go from my remote viewing data. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, there is, I so I have like two different sides. I have the me side, which is um, I go back and forth. I'm like, no, it can't be. It can't be. But then the way that remote viewing works and the information that we're getting uh, just doesn't, um, it it lines up where we are seeing. uh, Are you familiar with the Skinny Bob uh, video? Yeah, I was just actually watching it before. Yeah. Okay. So we, um, so the idea of remote viewing is, um, I'll just set that up real quick is that we have no idea what we're viewing. We just get a random number emailed to us and we don't, we have no clue what it is. So, uh, we had about, I think there were three of us that were remote viewing that video because, uh, our manager wanted to know because it's a big mystery, um, Nobody even knows who put it up on YouTube. They think it's somebody from Russia and they don't know if it's, um, you know, a hoax or a real thing. But I was surprised because in my session, um, I was pointing to the fact that that's a real, that's real. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that I was tapping into the emotions of this being and, it was weird. It was really weird. And the same thing happened to me when uh, we were also hired, which again, we didn't know that Tom DeLong hired our group. Um, so <laughs> our manager said, I have, uh, she's, she called me up and she's like, okay, Michelle, I have a project. I can't tell you anything, but you're going to want to do it. I'm like, okay, I trust you. Um, and so again, not knowing and if we knew it was Tom DeLong, we would for sure get aliens. But right. you know, we have done work on um, you know, financials, we've done work on missing people, we've done work on uh anything. And so, you know, aliens were the farthest from my mind. But it's interesting because I did get in my session non human subjects. 
they had this blue energy around them and they were holding these spherical things in their hands. Um, so it was, you know, just the fact that, and then the other people, cause we all worked independently. The other people got also non-human subjects and, um, and we also had some kind of timeline, uh, something like a before, middle, and after. Like something's going to happen, uh, something explosive is going to happen, um, and then uh, by the end, the end of this event was going to be something like a rebirth, like a re, a reboot, or something like that. So, yeah, very, very odd, very odd. Do you think that's a reboot for us or a reboot for them? So it's hard to know. Um, I see. I mean, I was getting the feeling like it was. Uh, I didn't feel like it was um, like an apocalypse or anything. It felt like just something was going to get off track and then cause a rebirth yeah, or not a reboot. I didn't, not like in the true sense of a rebirth, uh-huh. but uh, it was kind of like a re- renewal, you know, a re- realigning or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's hard. It's oh, hard to know. It makes perfect sense because actually sometimes I personally wonder if something went wrong with our timeline, you know, and somehow we kind of slipped out of one timeline and into another, and maybe we can slip back into the original one. Yeah. Yeah. That would be very, <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Time travel, right? Well, sort of. Like, I think, th- like, I like the theory that everything is happening all at once. Um, but because of the way consciousness manufactures the perception of time, I think maybe sometimes something can happen where everybody's consciousness gets a little confused and we kind of slip in and out of different timelines, possibly. And maybe, yeah. even, maybe even as a collective, you know, and, and maybe that's one of the things that causes, you know, these chaos, chaotic world events. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a good point because I know, um, are you familiar with Dean Radin? No. From IONS? So what at IONS, um, the Institute of no- Noetic Sciences, mm-hmm. what they did was they had these um, energy generators all around the world. And... They had put them, I think they put them out there in the 70s. I don't know if my facts are exact, um, but they put them out there in the 70s and um, just kind of studied studied the uh, the data that would come from them. They would watch them. And, and after 9-11 happened, they went back and looked at the data and they noticed that uh, the information that came in, you know, they're using those graphs and the line that goes up and down. Um, they found that there was right before, like minutes before uh, the the event, there was signs of something brewing. Then um, it went way, then the lines went way up. And then um, later on, then the lines went back to normal. Mm-hmm. And then they, after they saw all that, that there was a reaction to these energy because it was picking up on this uh, group consciousness, really, because we're, that's what it was measuring. It's measuring like energy, how, what, you know, having it uh, aligned with the event 
And then it's going up and down is interesting, right? Yeah. So they went back to other big, um, big things that have happened in the past, other big events that caused, and they found the same thing going on that the line, the, the data would come in and it would be activated Mm -hmm. and it's measuring our, so we, as a people, there's proof, you know, they talk about power of prayer and they talk about, um, all us working together as one consciousness. And this is beginning to show the evidence that that is real. And so he does a lot of, uh, very fascinating work. He has, um, check out his books, uh, Dean Radin, um, and you'll find fascinating information about what they're learning and what they're finding. And, uh, I think they're even working on apps, um, which is really cool apps on, on your phone, um, that, uh, because there are also a lot of people before nine 11, uh, had dreams. And so, and little children were drawing pictures of, Mm -hmm. of planes. And, uh, so all these things and it all makes sense. It's all kind of connected. Yeah. It's really interesting. I even question like, like not even like, why am I here? But I ask myself sometimes like, what is here? (laughs) Like, what is, what is this? You know, it doesn't, even ordinary reality in a way doesn't make sense. Right, right. You know, uh, if you kind of uh, peel peel the onion and really look at what we are, we're just these little particles and, um, you know, just kind of put together, holding together by a force. Yeah. That's really all we are in a way. And, uh, and so, and, and the only thing that's added to this is a kind of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And, so that's really the question is what is consciousness? Yeah, it's so it's strange. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's fascinating. It's, you know, it's something that will keep me up at night for sure. Yeah. It does me all the time. Um, so with Tom Delange, uh, what do you think? Is, I mean, with him, uh, Chris Mellon, um, Louis Alessandro, I always say the name wrong. You know, in, in that whole release of the uh, video from the Nemets, what do you think of that? Um, so, so I think that um, I don't know what to think. Um, I think, well, right now, first of all, I think that there's a little, there's a lot of weird stuff going on within that organization. Um, and, um, I know that, um, Hal put off, are you familiar with him? Mm. He's, he's ringing the bell. Okay. So Hal put off is one of the, um, I was very interested that he was part of the team at, you know, Academy uh, to the stars. And he is more on the side of, uh, the technology of things because we're, we're always like remote viewing. And he was one of our first remote viewers in the military. And, um, so I think that there's a lot of things going on there is that they're working on, um, technology and also, um, you know, how these, yeah, I guess aliens or whatever are fitting into the whole process. So I'm not, 
I, it's really hard to know what's what's going on with that. We should remote view that and yeah. find out what's what's going on in there. Like, like I just, I just wonder, you know, because it really seemed to me like an actual disclosure. You know, like 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 they actually came out and said, "Hey, there's these crafts. We don't know what they are. Um, they they may or may not be extraterrestrial, but they're not from this planet." Right. <laughs> like yeah. it's weird. <laughs> are are you me? Are you talking about the what they call the Tic Tac? Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, well, we've interviewed um, actual people that were on the Nimitz, and um, they are, it's hard not to believe them. They saw something, definitely. Um, you can tell when you talk to them, uh, you know, there's a way, like your intuition tells you that they're very truthful. Um, but even, I, I think that they're also torn between, could this really be you know, something out outer worldly, or is it something, some technology that's already here? And you really have a lot of people uh, trying to wrap their head around it because for so long they think, no, there can't be anything. But, you know, the evidence that they have, um, these guys told me that um, right after it happened, uh, they had you know, military higher ups come and take away their cameras, take away everything. And so that makes you wonder, you know, why, mm -hmm. why, why would they be hiding it from, you know, these people work for the forces. Why, why would they be, if it's um, some kind of technology that we have on earth, you know, these are people that shouldn't, you know, they're not going to talk because they're a part of the military. You would think, yeah. why would they be so careful? So, um, and they and the big guys that are in this world keep saying that more and more is going to be released, more information, but they have a whole bunch. And I think, was there something that, I don't know if I saw something that was recently released or teased some documents. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. There, there was a batch of documents that recently came out. But uh, they, I, I went through them. They didn't really look legit it kind of looked like a cut and paste of, of other documents that were previously released oh okay oh so this was just kind of uh a tease yeah thing. yeah okay got it yeah i i don't know why they do that <laughs> well it's i think just attention yeah i think that there's an element of um uh uh, disinformation. Um, I think that there's people out there that, you know, really want to keep a big question mark in everybody's mind. And uh, so, you know, they make things look a little disbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. There's uh -huh. no such word as disbelievable, is there? I made it up. It's a good word. I, I like it. I'm, okay. I'm going to add it to the Michelle Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> I use all kinds of words that probably don't exist in bad yeah. grammar and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with the remote viewing, how do you, like, like how does that work? Do you, do you 
like sit down, meditate and, and focus like on a particular location and then like see, hear, feel, smell. Yeah. So basically um, the idea that the military came up with a actual uh, protocol that you follow and they kind of phase one phase two and, and so on. So it's, it's, it is a process. And the process I use is um, uh, more of a civilian type of remote viewing where we engage our, our bodies uh, because over time, again, you know, we do a lot of research on what's going on when we're doing this and we find that, your nervous system, which picks up, uh, which is connected with your senses, gets the information first. And uh, one of the problems with remote viewing and why it's not foolproof is the fact that we're human. Uh, because what happens is we bring in these senses and what our brain, our left brain wants to do is make sense of everything. It wants to find a pattern and make sense. But the right brain doesn't work like that. The right brain works on symbols, no language, and only emotion. So the challenge is, is to uh, balance your left brain and your right brain so that you can uh, get kind of, uh, you know, get uh, unemotional, I guess, information, you know, just get the truth without perceiving uh you know, or using your perception in there. So for example, if I said to you, uh, you know, describe something, um, you know, and they, or they describe something as red, shiny, round, I usually the first thing that would pop up is an apple. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you describe an apple as red, shiny, round, um, and then um, they have another target, and part of it and you're saying oh something uh cylindrical shape tubular um and uh soft and um kind of a yellowish color beige uh you would say banana and then you would kind of assume that that would be a fruit basket but what if i told you the target was actually a fire truck so it's red mm -hmm. shiny it's round it has these tubulars um, there, uh, that are soft, you know? So, uh, if you're looking for a missing person, you don't want to be looking at a fruit basket, <laughs> you, you, you know, but maybe it's near a fire station. Maybe that's one of your, your points of reference where yeah. this missing person could be or whatever it is. So those are, so being human is wanting to call it an apple when it's really a fire truck. So that is what we, that's why we practice so much. It's similar. It's, it's like a, a martial art where mm -hmm. you have to practice to learn to separate that inkling to want everything to make sense. And it takes time to do that. And that's why uh, this isn't foolproof, but when it works, it really works. And we have helped so many people, um, I did one project for um, somebody at Homeland Security. Uh, home, yeah, Homeland Security that wanted, uh, this was a couple of years ago, they wanted to know the top three threats of the Olympics. And so we had a team working on it. And at the time, I mean, just to narrow down my session, um, 
I would, I perceive that there would be some kind of weather issue. There would be, um, I, I saw some kind of chaos, like possibly an explosion. And the third one was a virus. Um, but I was again thinking it's a computer virus, but when I look back at my session or think back to my session, I'm like, wait a minute, virus, it's a coronavirus, you know, but my brain wanted it to make sense. And I wasn't thinking, it wasn't even in my perspective to think like a, a, a coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking of a computer virus, but really what I was saying was, you know, the coronavirus and that stopped the, that was a threat to the Olympics. So, um, but we didn't know that until now, you know, we didn't, I wasn't able to mm -hmm. even think about that until now. When one day it dawned on me, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> it wasn't a, you know, it was just like, I woke up and went, wait a minute. I did get something there. So that's why it's a little complicated, but if you see it is true, it's real. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, we, we do all, all, uh, kinds of projects like that, that, um, you know, and it's helpful when we're looking for missing people and et cetera. That's incredible. Is, is there a difference between remote viewing and astral travel? Well, remote viewing, we don't, I mean, sometime we let the target come to us in remote viewing. We, mm -hmm. we bring it to us. So it's a little different. You can feel like you're going to the target because, um, you know, uh, you can feel because you get to a point when you're deep into session where you're putting your hands out and you're actually feeling like, say there's a log there, you're describing the log and you can actually feel it. Like you feel the rough edges, you feel the, the weight of it. Um, so it doesn't always happen, but, uh, sometimes you can, uh, they call it, what do they call it? Bio, um, you know, where you're two places at one time. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, um, that's more like what it is. Uh, a lot of people, it takes time for them to get that deep into session. Again, it's a lot of practice. Um, but yeah, it's, um, does, uh, does quantum physics play a role in the theory of remote viewing? If, is it a what feeling? Um, uh, does does quantum physics play a role like in how you, um, between like behind the theory of remote viewing, like the idea um, of being able to be in more one more than one place at one time or like your particles that's I mean, able to be in yeah. more than one place. Well, there's a whole, okay. So there's a, the, the place where we can, um, uh, the place where we can talk about, there is a kind of remote viewing that we call ARV and mm -hmm. it's um uh where we are viewing um a bi binary uh binaural target so we want to know a yes or no answer okay and so we use that for financials or wagering on sporting events or should I wear the red dress or the blue dress and um it's kind of complicated to um explain but Basically, so I'll use an example of wagering. Uh, what we have to do is we're betting on a sporting event. So say there's a baseball game and there's two teams and you want to know 
which team is going to win, right? right? So the way that this is set up is you have a manager that associates uh, a photo to both teams. So they'll, they'll, and they have to be completely opposite. So say you put the Cubs uh, has the ocean and a picture of the ocean and uh, the Cardinals. I don't even know if they're in the same, but anyway, the Cardinals and they have the desert. Okay. Mm -hmm. The viewer has no clue. They don't even know what teams they know. Nothing. They have, just a target number, and they're told, go to the photo, go into the future, to the photo that is going to be shown to you at the end of the game. And so we know that the photo, that, the photo that's going to be shown to them is the one for the winning team. So we just direct them, go into the future, and you know, describe, sketch and describe the photo that's going to be shown to you after the game. So then you do your thing, you follow the protocol, you do your thing, and then um, you say you're, um, you know, you, you get water. You send that back to the, the project manager, and they look at, you know, all the people that did sessions, and then they'll make a prediction. They'll say, well, gosh, everybody got water. It looks like the Cubs are going to win. And so then they can actually bet on that. Um, and then the game's played and then it's Cubs, the Cubs win. And then they will, uh, send us that picture that they used. And then we finish the time loop. So yes, it's quantum physics because we're going into the future. We're getting information and we're bringing it back to the present, the past, present, whatever. <laughs> so yes, that's how it works. So um, we have done so many, I know that tons of people have done, uh, you know, we kind of did that with, um, with the Olympics. We went into the future. Um, the thing that if you want to get into this really deep conversation, which I'm probably not qualified, but there's also the idea that the future is not fixed. And so then you can have some issues with that too. So when you're we so if we're doing sporting events or financials, the idea is to, do your viewing as close to the event as possible. So there's, you know, little bits of change that can happen. So, um, yeah, it's a very, <laughs> it's a huge subject to talk about and yeah, it, it can it, get very deep. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because like, if you can remote view the future, that means we would be able to make decisions and alter the future. And what happens what does happen when what happens when we alter the future? That kind of brings me back to that idea of sort of slipping in and out of different timelines without really being aware of it. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, um, that is a good, you know, another question that I would add to that is what if I, you know, I can do this personally, like, um, kind of change a course of my life. Like I made a decision or a decision in the future that I have to make. Mm -hmm. Um, I can, I can change that, change the way that my life is going to go. Um, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, these are definitely things in my opinion that can happen. You know, yeah. I definitely, I think that, um, we just have to really get good at it. So it's something that's a hundred percent reliable. Um, 
And, um, and you know, I, my goal is to, I really want to put a team together because I get so many calls from people. They're looking for missing keys or missing wedding ring, missing people, missing animals. And then I also get calls for special projects um, and all sorts of things. And if I can get a team together, um, I would, you know, like to help out these people, but I can't handle all of them myself. Yes. So, um, so I have been starting to teach people remote viewing and I have a class coming up, uh, starting this week. Um, so I would, you know, if any listeners are interested, I would love you guys to take my class and become a serious remote viewer and help, help with our team and help, help people in the world and, and everything. That's awesome. I can definitely post a link to that. Well, if I posted a notes, it'll probably have already happened because I'm about two weeks ahead, but I'll post a link anyway to it. Yeah, because <laughs> I have another, another one. Yeah, there are six week, there's six week classes and, um, and then I do them like every six weeks. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I, uh, so I'll have it. So this one starts this week, which is January. So I'll probably have another one. Uh, for February, March, the end of February and March. So, um, but yeah, the more people, the better. And, and I will say that people are paying so we can, I mean, it's like mama needs a new pair of shoes money, but it's not going to replace your salary, but Mm -hmm. a little extra money doesn't hurt. And uh, so if I can get some really amazing, reliable people, I would love it. How how large is a team? And how much time is needed to become a a remote viewer? Well, um, a team can be as large as you want it. Mm. I, um, I like to have, um, it depends on the project actually. Um, three is a good number. Um, and then you want to have backup people because not everybody can do it. An actual session takes about an hour to an hour and a half to do. Um, and some people take longer, some people take shorter, but for me, I, mine's about an hour to do a whole session. Um, and I forgot the other thing you said. Um, oh, um, how long does it take? Yeah. It's just, I'm still learning. I've been doing it for nine or nine years, I think, and I'm still learning all the time. So, um, I'm learning uh, personal lessons from this, which I didn't expect. I thought I was just going to sit here and do this, but some of the things that we learn in remote viewing mm-hmm. about how our, our own personal mind works. And then also how, how we as a human race work, how our minds work and the full potential of what we can accomplish, you know, um, whatever your politics are, um, when I was watching, you know, what was going on last week or this was it this, I don't even know the time, but when I was watching what was going on at the Capitol, I was just sad because I know this other side. I know our potential, our, uh, what we can accomplish. And if we can't all get along here on the earth, um, you know, what's going to happen, how are we going to evolve so that we can, you know, go out into space and, 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 see what's out there. So that's, um, 
that's what I'm learning just by remote viewing. It's just our potential as humans and then my personal potential and confidence and all those fun things I, I've been learning. That's awesome that you, that you bring that up. Um, how much potential, I mean, doing things like remote viewing, out-of-body experience, it's just ex just experimenting and exploring our own consciousness and our own being. Um, do you really do? You, do you think that will affect the uh, the future of humanity? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, you can remote view anything. I've had somebody. I was uh, moving from Chicago to California. And somebody, uh, they just said, Hey, Michelle, um, I have a target for you. We just like give each other targets for practice. And this one guy goes, Hey, I have a target. I want you to do this. I'm like, all right, fine. So I do this target and, um, it was kind of a landscape kind of thing with mountains and water and all this stuff. It turned out that he was tasking me to remote view where I'm going to live in California. So it can, and then it turned out I forgot about the session because it was like a year, a year past and I'm looking around for a house and whatever. And then again, it dawned on me that I, I did a, a session and I looked out and I was, um, I moved to Chino. And if you know, Chino, California, Southern California, it's in between all these mountains mm -hmm. and it looked exactly like the sketch I drew in the session. So, um, I just didn't put it together. I, you know, um, another person, um, tasked me on what foods should Michelle stay away from. And, you know, you don't have to take a blood test, you know, you can remote view, like what food should I stay away from? Because your, your subconscious knows the answers to everything. You just got to get it on the paper, bring it up to the front. So it can help us individually. It can also help us, um, say somebody has, um, an engineering problem. Say somebody is, um, working on some kind of, I don't know, engine and there is a problem with it. You can remote view and find out what the problem is and how to fix it. Mm -hmm. You can, uh, say you want to know what's a fifth dimension like. You can do that, you know. So it's, um, you know, you can do esoteric, you can do practical, um, you can find your car keys, you can find out if the guy that you just met is right for you, you can find out who's the guy that you're gonna meet, you know, or woman, whatever. So um, yes, it's, it, it can change us all if we tap into what has been our intuition, which has been kind of asleep for all these centuries, you know, with all the technology, uh, we, you know, go Alexa, uh, what's the weather today? Instead of going outside and smelling, Oh, rain is coming or snow is coming. <laughs> so, uh, this is kind of getting back to what we had when we were primitive. Interesting. Um, do you think we're all connected in some way consciously? Yeah, I, I do. I think that um, just, you know, you can feel it energetically, you know, just based on what I uh, mentioned earlier mm -hmm. that the Dean Radin's work, we actually have science that's backing that up. 
where, you know, people that the power of prayer are healing people. You have uh, the energy generators that are activated at big moments, big events that happen worldwide. And it's, you know, it's triggering these machines to work. You know, what's making that happen? It's, it's people. You can feel it. Um, you can feel when you walk into a room and, and you know, somebody's in a bad mood or you know that something good is going to happen. Um, I mean, sometimes you can feel it, um, before you answer your phone, mm -hmm. you can kind of feel the other person. So yeah, absolutely. I wonder how it all works. It drives me nuts, like trying to figure out just how everything, like there's so many theories like about like the Akashic field and collective consciousness and uh, the, the Carl Jung stuff. Yeah. Um, there's so many different ideas. But then again, like when I, I start looking at them as a whole, I just kind of say, okay, they're, they're just all saying the same thing in a different way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think that um, it's kind of, you know, if you get into the discussion about God um, and you talk to people that don't believe in God, um, but it, it could be, you know, in, for example, in hypnosis, we uh, understand that your subconscious is based on emotions. Mm -hmm. And so any word you think of, or words you speak is connected to an emotion. And so uh, if people say Akashic records, uh, they might be uncomfortable with that word. And then, but they're really is like inside, they're thinking the same thing and feeling the same thing about it, but that that word rubs them wrong for some reason. Or, um, you know, when people uh, say psychic mm -hmm. in, you know, if you say, oh, are you psychic versus, oh, are you intuitive? If I go to somebody who's working uh, in the white collar, you know, corporate world and I say, hey, mister, are you psychic? You know, why do you <laughs> why are you making such good decisions in your business? Why is it so successful? Well, it's because I use my gut, you know, my gut feeling or my yeah. intuition. He won't like if I say psychic, it's going to give him the heebie jeebies because, you know, the word you know, so yeah, I think that, you know, people, um, you know, you, you have to kind of speak in the language that people are comfortable to hear. And that's how you can get and then you do find like exactly what you said that all of us are thinking the same thing or feeling this, you know, the same thing. But the words are what kind of uh, blocks us maybe. Yeah, yeah, I th I think that too. I I think just uh, even even with God and religion and stuff like that, I I think everybody at some point was just trying to say the same thing, and we get too hung up on on the messenger rather than the message. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um. So. How about the other dimensions? Did you have you ever like remote views? Like, is there like an angelic realm, or I, something like I that? I haven't. You know, I we for fun. <laughs> um, I have. Um, we remote viewed the. Um, we did something called image streaming. 
which is uh, kind of a practice. It's a, a thing, a skill that we do to kind of get our minds in the imagination state. And um, so we were doing that. So this is something we do without paper. Um, and we just kind of speak like almost, well, it's called image streaming. So you just speak whatever comes. And we're given a target number. So there is something that we're focusing on. So they gave us a target number, which happened to be the fifth dimension. And I can tell you what I recall from my experience. Uh, I felt like I was floating in black, like black space. And I felt very small. Mm -hmm. And um, there were these glowing uh, lines that were geometrical shapes that seemed to float around me. Okay. And I saw these, like, I'm just trying to explain, you know, I don't know what any of this is, but this is just how my experience was. And there were these um, discs. They were like amber colored lit up discs. And I, I felt like if you stand on them, um, they would take you, that you would move on them through these like doorways that take you to other places like in space and these geometrical shapes around you. They were like golden light. So I, I don't know, but I will tell you that it felt like my body was probably the most relaxed it's ever been in my mm-hmm. whole life. I was just very floaty and it was effortless and it felt blissful. I, I think I even used the word bliss. I yeah. felt like bliss. So, um, yeah, it was, there was not a lot of structure to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just very floaty. So, um, but yeah, but we, I mean, I haven't done angels or anything like that, but we've done Bigfoot. We've done, we, we have remote viewed the TikTok. We remote viewed, um, missing person. Uh, I had a few cases that I worked on. Um, what other interesting thing, any, any kind of crazy mysteries Mm -hmm. we've remote viewed, you know, uh, just things that are unanswered, uh, stuff like that. So, so, so what were the results with Bigfoot? Well, um, let me think. What was the what I'm trying to remember? So it was. I think the existence of Bigfoot is really. I think we were yeah. remote viewing the reality. I think my question was remote view the reality of the the Gimlin Patterson film footage, and um, so. I will say that, yeah, it, it, it was real Bigfoot. And I will tell you that it was female. They were right uh-huh. on that because um, I, I I had a monitor that was helping me do this session. And uh, he, he, so I felt like there was, I think the first thing out of the gate that I perceived was a very large woman that I think that I said, I feel a very large woman, like a basketball player. That's what I I started out with. And then, but I kept like, again, you know how you're human and everything wants to make sense. I wanted to say it's a male because like I kept touching my arm, like my arms are huge, like, like a man's arm, but something in me didn't want to change it to a male. I was just still saying, it's a female. Uh-huh. 
And he said, okay, you know, all right, touch your body, explain it, you know, describe your body. And so I like touched my arm again. And I'm like, wait, I'm very hairy. You know, like I, I kept like doing these weird things. Like I'm very hairy. And he's like, okay, so, you know, get up in, uh, stand in the position of the subject. And I'm like, okay. I was like in a Bigfoot stance and <laughs> the whole, yeah. So, I mean, I'm like, this has to be true because it, it felt real to me. So, yeah, I think that that footage is real. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely like a believer in, in that. There's just no way. There's so much evidence. Yeah. And keep in mind always that I didn't know it was big. I didn't know mm. we were looking at that. I just had a number. It could have been anything <laughs> in the world. And I'm like going, it's Bigfoot. So to me, just because that lines up, it, it means real to me. Mm -hmm. So when yeah. you, when you, when you do that, um, do you ever pick up thoughts of what you're remote feeling? Yeah, I did with skinny Bob. I was getting his emotional state. Was he upset? Um, he's, um, he is, uh, yeah, he's he's emotional. He definitely he misses his family. That's we we were getting like he but he also had anger and um he was just pissed off at all the questions or something. And um he but he's just really he he's um very upset because he feels like he was abandoned. Mm -hmm. So, um it was one of those kinds of uh things. Um yeah that's yeah that was an emotional session have you ever like you know re remote viewed like an animal and been able to sort of see what it's like through them like you know like what the world is like for a dog or something no um animals can come up in a session mm -hmm. like if they're important to whatever the tasking is um but i I maybe I did a whale once. Oh, that's cool. I, I remote viewed a whale. Um, but I don't, I, I wasn't, that wasn't the subject that we were, it just popped up in the mm -hmm. session that it was a whale. And, um, but no, I, I haven't done, that's a good one. I like that. Actually, we're going to have to <laughs> tell, I think I'm going to have to use that in my, uh, um, what an animal feels like. Yeah. Cause I, I often wonder like, like, what does my cat think about all day? Yeah, I know. You know? That's like, good. like, what's he doing? <laughs> That's so, yeah. Like, what's he thinking? If like, anything. are they smart? Yeah. Like, I know, I know that octopi octopus, yeah, octopi. They're really smart. Yeah. I saw a documentary where they um, had an octopus in the tank and they put a Lego, um, a Lego box in there and the octopus was able to open it. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? Oh my gosh. That's incredible. Yeah. They're, so, they're, they're unique. Cause they even use tools too. They'll, they'll move things around and, and, and use tools and they, yeah. they morph and they're really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That is like, that would be interesting to get into the mind of an octopus. Um, yeah, definitely. So you should take my class, Gary. Why don't you learn to remote view? I should learn how to. Oh, can, can you I hold on one second? Sure. Oh, actually, uh, I'll call him back.
You probably know this guy, Richard Allen Miller. Richard? No. Who's Richard Allen Miller? Um, he's a guy who used to, he does done tons of work with the government, and he's been to the alien base in Antarctica. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, he's a cool guy. I don't know why he's calling me. Oh, he's got <laughs> scoop. Maybe. He's got scoop. Yeah. Um. So. Where are you going to go from here? Like, like once you put your, you know, like, do you have any future plans? Like, once you assemble your team and, 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 like, is there anything that you really want to explore with remote viewing that you haven't done yet? Oh, I'm like just beginning. Yeah, I, I really want, um, you know, because there's a lot of remote viewers that have done important cases, like even, uh. The, gov- the government used them to help find Sudan, Sudan Hussein, mm-hmm. um, but nobody talks about it. So I want to continue my work um, in research, you know, to keep getting all these uh, peer-reviewed, written-up papers that scientists will look at and, and take seriously. And I want to help people. I want more and more people to do this for themselves because... Um, I think it'll improve their lives. You know, it just opens up a door um, and, you know, just everything about your life you can do yourself. You have everything in your little vessels in front of you that you're living in. Everything's here for you to make a really great life for yourself and um, tapping into the subconscious and waking it up again. Mm -hmm. These are all, those are what I really want to do, you know, just kind of get that out there and, and just make people better and, you know, kind of go to start, you know, working on our potential and, uh, and, and see where we go because I think we're just babies right now. We're just, we're just figuring it out. I, I, I totally agree. That's one of the reasons why I cover the topics that I do. I mean, so obviously I, mean, I cover some topics just because they're entertaining and fun. Right. And then I cover other topics. I feel like they're really important to help people really open up and, and, and explore. Because I don't think as, as people, I don't think we explore our potential enough. And and I try to cover a wide variety of topics because, you know, what what one might be good what might be good for one person might not be good for another. So right. I, I want to throw out as many possibilities as possible. Right. Right. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I think that's good having like the full spectrum, um, covering all different ideas. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything you're afraid of to remove you that would scare you? Not me. There's a lot of people that do, but I am just so <coughs> sorry. I'm so curious that um, I, you know, I feel. Um, uh, I just don't get scared. You know, I feel I, I did have an incident that could be scary um, where I was doing a session and, you know, that little voice in, in your mind, you know, that talks to you, oh, not yeah. the schizophrenic person, but just <laughs> all of us, you know, are like little Jiminy Cricket. Mm-hmm. So I was doing my session and uh, all of a sudden that that voice started to get louder and it sounded like a, a baritone sounding voice, like a male 
baritone. And it was kind of taking over my session and started to do this, do that, do this. And I went, huh, what's that? And I, I wrote break on my session to step away. And um, I called up the guy who tasked me and I said, hey, something weird happened. I, I feel like this, some being or something is taking over my session. And so he said, well, ask what he wants. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I went back in session and um, I just, you know, there was information, just stuff. I just kind of wrote down whatever. It was just kind of these thoughts that came in my mind and I wrote them down. Um, and again, I had no idea what I was viewing. It was just, you know, kind of strange. It, he did feel alienish, And um, so that night um, I went to sleep and I felt like, did you ever have that feeling where you're falling backwards? I, I get it all the time, actually. Okay. So in my sleep, I felt like I was falling backwards. And when I woke up in the morning, I felt like I had been drunk, like totally like, you know, when you wake up from anesthesia yeah. and then all of a sudden, all the heat in my body swoosh out of my body. And I'm like, what the heck just happened? So I, uh, messaged my friend again and I'm like, Hey, and I told him what happened. He's like, Oh my God, I had a weird dream like that too. And I'm like, and then we had a third person that was working on the project and, and she's like, she goes, well, I did a little cannabis. So, uh, <laughs> I don't even count on what happened to me. <laughs> we're like, okay, never mind. So then we're like, okay, um, what's the target? And it turned out that we were, uh, we were viewing, uh, and this was a practice target. It wasn't for anybody. Um, and we put a whole bunch of targets in a, a hat. And so we just pulled one out and it turned out to be, um, a, um, uh, a benevolent, uh, alien, you know, make contact with a mm -hmm. benevolent alien. So we're like, okay, I guess we made contact with the benevolent alien. <laughs> so, but I, I was never feeling scared. I uh -huh. never felt scared with it. So, um, but a lot of people, I know that they're, um, in the middle of the session, they're stopped. Like they can feel like they went in where they're not supposed to go. Mm -hmm. Um, a couple of people that had, uh, remote viewed the alien base the, on the moon, yes. um, they've been blocked and they felt it and mm -hmm. that scared them. Um, but for me, I'd be like, la la la, I don't care. <laughs> I just like, whatever it is, I'm, ex I'm excited. So I just have a different attitude. Have you ever like, like, for example, like, like we both like, um, is it Nathan Gillis, the demonologist. Nathaniel. Yeah. 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 Um, like, would you be afraid to contact like those type of beings that he, that he deals with? No, I, I wouldn't, but I would do it in a responsible way. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, I would kind of put a question out there if it's in my best interest to view them. Um, and then number two is I would um, kind of use an energetic projection. Um, and I usually do that. And that just means that I would go in as an observer and I would not interact with them. I would just kind of set the session up as an observer and 
Um, and then just, yeah, a, a power of protection um, in anything that I'm going in on purpose. You know, when we do uh, missing persons and crimes and um, things like that, we're going to get bad people. Yeah. And not everybody can do that. And, um, but I feel like I, you know, I go in responsibly and, um, and, you know, it does get emotional, but my, my intention and my, my mission is to help the family members, you know, if, if the person to help them find their loved ones, I think that, uh, is more important than my discomfort of experiencing a, a bad situation. So, um, yeah, I'll continue to do that as much as I can. But it's also important to detach from the sessions. So this is all part of the training. Um, and you also have to trust the people that you're working with. One last question. Um, the, when, you revote, when you remote view somebody, have you ever had somebody become aware that they're being remote viewed? Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, um, so, um, I wanted to know if you could do that. And so, um, I have my partner that I work with in remote viewing and I didn't, I didn't tell him I was doing this, but my intention was to in, intend on it. But I also, uh, so I wanted to tickle his nose. So, I, um, you know, imagine, I kind of imagine tickling his nose and pulling his hair in the session. And so after I was done with the session, I, I called him up. I'm like, Hey, what's up? And anything weird happened? And he, and this is what was interesting. He's like, no, I was just remote viewing. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Did you notice anything, anything? And he's like, no, I was, he goes, I was really itchy. <laughs> For some reason I was really itchy. And I'm like, oh, did you, where were you itchy? Cause I wanted to know if he actually, he's like my hair, my, my face, my hand. Yeah. There were all the places that I touched, uh, you know, or tickled, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So we did, I, I did that on purpose. You know, I don't think I've ever, to my knowledge, um, you know, anybody, you know, nobody called me. I have, um, my, my best friend, we will, um, and this isn't necessarily world viewing, but we're somehow connected where, um, she'll hear conversations I'm having and then call me up. So one time I was in the car with my daughter and we were having a conversation about, she said, mommy, what can I take for lunch for school tomorrow? We're having like just a normal la 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 conversation. And so my friend calls me up and she's like, um, I heard you and your daughter talking and I'm like, okay. And she's like something about like Ziploc bags or something. And I'm like, Oh my God, get out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> so she heard the conversation, which was really creepy <laughs> like okay we we need to talk about this so um uh, have you ever uh heard like somebody whisper your name I have. like it yes mm -hmm. yeah 
I, I, that happens all the time. And I'm wondering if, you know, that's similar to what this is, where somebody is thinking about you um, and you hear, you know, there's like people that are givers and receivers and that you would be the receiver mm-hmm. and somebody was, you know, sending something to you. Hmm. We, we definitely, I've had some experiences where, where, you know, I, I've, now, even as a kid where I had experiences where I was like not necessarily picking up information but feeling something and not knowing why. Like I remember mm-hmm. like an instance when I was a kid, I, I it was just one night I I couldn't sleep. And and I gave up like around three AM in the morning and I got up and I went in the kitchen and my mom was in the kitchen and I was like, Well, why are you sleeping? She's like, Well, I can't sleep. I said, yeah, neither can I. So, so we were huh. hanging out, and in, like around like four, five, or six in the morning, the phone rang, and it turned out that that my uh, my great grandmother died that that evening. Oh no! You know? Oh my god! And, and, and it was like we just both kind of just felt, I guess that 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 uneasiness, you know? Yeah. Wow. And like like that was That's... like my first experience that I remember, like 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 with with the like an intuitive feeling. Right, unknowing. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, yeah, it's cool. Uh, so, thank you for taking the time to be on my show today. It's really great to be able to talk to you. And also, I want to thank you for everything that you've done for me and helping me with podcasts and helping me find guests. Oh, my pleasure! It's my favorite thing. Well, second to remote viewing, but, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. And yeah, you're doing such a great job and, um, you know, our guests, you know, they are very happy coming on your show and, um, and, you know, also if there's any authors out there looking to get booked on shows, um, Mm -hmm. they can contact me also because, um, my goal is to have 50, 50, 50, um, you know, guests that I represent. And um, especially when events start opening up again, we can get them booked in events and on all these radios and podcasts and anywhere. So, um, yeah, so I would love people to contact me for that too. Yeah, yeah. What you do is great. I think like kind of like just the way we all collaborate now and Mm -hmm. and work together to to create this type of content, it's it's just – it's a good thing, you know, because it's uncensored, it's authentic, and it reaches a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And um, and if anybody, you know, wants to ask me any questions or they need help with anything, um, you know, they can contact me anytime. Right. Where um, can they contact you? Um, so the website is Butterfly Effects Center. Dot com. Yep, I'm gonna put that. So yep, I'm gonna put yeah, that in the notes of the episode. So, yeah. Okay. So cool. when my listeners listen, they'll be able to, you know, just go into the notes and click on it. And I'll also put a link in there too for the course. Oh, great! Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah, great. I want to get lots and lots of people remote viewing, and it's a lot of fun. And we get to, you know, a lot of the classes experiential. So. Uh, we laugh a lot too. We do fun <laughs> stuff. And I know this was pretty intense stuff I talked about, but we do lots of fun stuff too. So, yeah, it sounds interesting. 
actually, do people ever get afraid of getting it wrong? Yeah, we actually call it FOF. It's called fear of failure. Um, so we have built into the process. Uh, it's called our set asides. So before we even start our session, we set aside all our worries and concerns. So that's also built in because really you want to stay, uh, you know, as, uh, what's the word? Like you just, you don't want to have any preconceived ideas of anything. And, uh, I know even Courtney, I think it's Courtney Brown who always says like the minute you put the pen on paper, you're always right. Mm -hmm. And it's true. It's true. So sometimes, and, and the way that the process works is if you're going off on a tangent, um, it self corrects the way the whole thing works. So, uh, but I guess I can't tell you more because you got to take the class. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just popped that question just, just sort of popped into my head. I was like, wonder like, because I know like, like even like for me, sometimes if I'm, you know, whether I'm trying to do, connect with some kind of intuitive feeling or reading tarot cards or whatever one of the things that used to trip me up is like well is what i'm getting emotion i mean is it imagine just my imagination or is it you know actual yeah. information and yeah. you know like over time like now i've learned that um there's no difference you know yeah well you can also discern uh between what is useful for the tasking and what is not mm -hmm. i mean everything there's a reason why you put everything on paper you know why that information comes to you um but sometimes you know we have add in the brain and you know our mind wants to go to whatever is interesting instead of you know it, you know because the, the right brain can be compared to uh, little children, mm -hmm. you know, they get distracted easily. Oh, look over there. There's a cool tree. So, um, and then, you know, your left brain says, Oh, get back on track. You're supposed to be looking at, you know, this rock formation, right. you know? So, um, yeah, definitely, uh, that can go on. Does hunger ever affect remote feeling? Like if you're, somebody's hungry, like, I mean, the first thing I'm probably going to start visualizing is like a, ice cream sandwich or something <laughs> um i don't know that's a good one if you're hungry yeah um i know i get thirsty a lot when i remote view um hunger i i haven't uh nope that one i haven't i haven't come across the hunger if it would come i guess it could come into the session but again the session will self-correct so if yeah. it does uh you know, come in then it will, you know, you just kind of, you mark it down and then you forget about it and you get back to business. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm sorry about that last tangent of questions. I know I said That's the last good. question was like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> That's okay. Sometimes I just go That's off great. track like that. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank and, you for having me. And I'm going to post the, um, the links to your show in the notes and uh i'm looking forward to continue working with you fantastic and i'm just going to play the outro and we'll wrap it up okay bye everyone bye <laughs> thank you for listening to everything imaginable on kgra radio 
You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.